With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day legends and welcome to the Pot Noodle Wasalik Down Under. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight back from a couple of weeks off are Shane and Johnny. How are you Shane? Yeah good. It's uh, good to be back after a little bit of a hiatus which was a a combination of um, pre-booked basketball events and then a a week of uh, working late but um, yeah glad to be on and um, was hoping I'd be able to uh, avoid all of the uh, drama from last week and come back with uh, and talk about a a performance that got our season back on track, but uh, oh well, you can't win them all, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you doing, Johnny? Yeah, I wish I had something more exciting to say of why I was away, but it was just life. I was just busy with getting on with stuff and work commitments and doing stuff with a girlfriend and stuff. But yeah, no, it's good to be back. I'm like Shane. I wish we could have a positive conversation, but it seems to be a bit um, uh, tantrumy this week. I think that from all perspectives, players and fans and everyone, it's yeah. But, you know, we've got to keep talking about it. We've got to keep analysing Celtic and and see how we feel, see if we can get better. Yeah, I'll have to agree with you, boys. I honestly reckon this pod could get a little bit feral in the comments section. So um, let us know your opinions, your thoughts, any questions you've got on what's going on in the comments, and we'll do our best to get to them. But we'll uh, we'll start off with the, uh, the game on the weekend, the board draw against St. Johnson. So we'll go through the starting lineup. And so it was Joe Harding goals. We had a returning Alistair Johnson, a right back, Lagerbelke, Scales, and Taylor. So one, two, three, four, five across the back there. And then O'Reilly. Yep. O'Reilly, McGregor, and Turnbull in the midfield. Kyogo, Maeda, and Yang making his start at the front there. So um getting his first start for the club. So go to you, Shane. What was your thoughts on the on the game in general? 
I think the word of the day and the overall well, takeaway was just one of frustration. Um, that was pretty much how I felt throughout the course of the game and, and right at the end. Um, you know, I thought we um, I thought we started relatively positively. I thought our first half was was pretty decent. I thought we were um, creating a lot. I thought we were getting in some good areas. I thought we were moving the ball at a pretty decent tempo. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, we just didn't finish off the chances we created. But, you know, frustrating as it was, I went into halftime thinking it was a case of when, not if. Um, but in that second half, things sort of changed and and that kind of that tempo and those chances, they started to fall away and we really weren't creating what we were in the first half and, and everything became a little bit more disjointed and, and as the game wore on, became very rushed. And, um, you know, we should have, I, I, you know, at the start of the game, you're sort of going, well, we need three points today. We shouldn't be dropping points today. And at the end of the game, we're talking about two points dropped. And it's it's really frustrating, not just on what we created in the first half, but overall um, that performance really did taper off poorly. And um, look, there were still positives. There were still things to, to tick off and, and be happy about. Alistair Johnston was one of them. His return, I thought he was fantastic, bombing up and down, down the right. Yang, um, you know, he warranted a start after his performance at Killy and uh, and he showed that it was warranted. And he was really good in that first half. He, he was creating a lot. He was that kind of tricky winger um, that we've all talked about on the pod with Rogers' return. I thought Matt O'Reilly was probably our best player again across the 90. I thought he was doing everything he could to get in between the lines and his movement was good and his passing was great and his link-up work was solid. And um, he was just screaming out for another midfield partner uh, to help join him. But um, look, overall, you, you can't help but be frustrated at uh, at that performance in the end. Just on that, Shane, like there's a few players that you touched on that I was going to mention a bit later on there, but no big deal on it. But for me, yeah, I think um, O'Reilly... It's a little wasteful, and we've got um got a few comments here. So Andrew Galea's comment was, "I'll start O'Reilly Costas that game. He was a little wasteful. I'll give credit where it's due there, but at the same point, we did create a lot of chances, and if they were going to Kyogo and not O'Reilly, most of the time the net would have been bursting. So, my opinion, just the overall most generic stuff possible there, that we probably should have won that game, or at least scored three ourselves. They had a couple of good chances there as well. So. Could have been a 3-2 or a 3-1 and we'd be coming away a lot happier as a fan base, but at the same time, not really being too like over the top in, you know, down in the doldrums going into a derby. But I'll throw to you, John, for your take on it. Um, Yeah, look, I I think we all feel the same, right? It was just, it was another one of those games um, that I seem to remember a lot of uh, Brendan Rogers' games being, which was, I mean, to be fair, a lot of those did end in maybe like 75, 80-minute goals that then got us three points, and that didn't really happen, unfortunately. But it was it, frustrating. It was frustrating. And I tell you what, I, I watched the game again at work because I was doing very sort of busybody sort of stuff today. Um, I wasn't really paying attention. So I had the game on in the background. The amount of times... That I just sort of was listening to it, and 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 then you know the commentators would oh, is this again, and you would look. I know the score, I knew what was happening, but I still felt like the big big opportunities where we were like there was big pressured moments where we would have any other game we would have scored those goals and it would have been a different result. And I think we were just 
a yard or two off. Um, and I just echo everything that Shane's saying. I think, you know, Matt Riley, I, I felt like he had a good game. And I know, he, I know he missed big chances, but I think we also have to kind of, uh, when we take a step back, sort of balance it of how early we are in the season. Normally, any other sort of season, bar the, the last one, we would have had a couple of games to warm up because it would have been European qualifiers and stuff. So we would have, you know, brushed off the cobwebs and stuff and, and come out of holiday mode and stuff. And we, did, we don't really have that this time. So we're still kind of that jittery beginning. And you can, you've, we've seen that before, you know what I mean, with um, the commander game and stuff. And um, it's just, it's you would have expected, we haven't really had that big of a change in personnel. Um, and all, all Rogers has done is inherited a very, very good side. And you would have just expected that everything sort of just continued and you wouldn't want to change too much. And it does kind of watch as if a lot's been changed. We've gone back to that really uh, tough to watch possession football, which, I mean, it wins his games, but it's not exciting, is it? And and at least Ange understood that. At least we had, at least the board understood that because I got a, a manager like Ange and stuff. And look, I'm sure half a season or a season later, I'll be eating my words. But I think at this point right now, it is quite hard to watch those passing around. Some of the bloody memes you watch where it's, you know, the Simpsons and it's, yeah, you know, and, and so-and-so passes to so-and-so and the crowd's just slowly getting tireder and tireder and tireder. And it, and it is, it is like that. But, it, it, I mean, it wins us games. It's just, I, I I think for me, my takeaway on a big scale is I'm not sure, and I remember this from last time, I'm not sure that Rogers has a response when teams part the bus. I, we were very, very good for about 15, 20 minutes where we were just really high pressure and really battering at them. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it just they just absorbed all that pressure and then they settled in. And we just didn't have... A response to that we didn't change again to then increase uh, you know increase that intensity and I just think it's uh, maybe another one of those really cliches another day different score you know um yeah it's just it was a, it was a just a shit game just a shit game well off the back of that john you've just got me thinking here so um that's a dangerous thing to have happen by the way <laughs> but for me like i'm looking at it and you kind of you kind of talk me into like going okay, backing off the don't want Rogers at the club sort of thing. He was the best candidate. You were the one who talked me into it, Johnny. So I'm blaming <laughs> you. But at the same time, it took six games for Ange to click things in the gear a bit at Celtic. Yeah, there's a massive change. Like I was looking today, and there's seven players that are either injured have left the club from last year's team when we beat Aberdeen, right up there in like Feb 18. Through to now, and they each of these guys have played at least eight, eight, eight of the twelve games that we played in that time. So mm. there's a massive, you know, turnover there. Like Hatade's barely playing, Carter Vickers is hurt, Starfelt's left, Jot has left, Moyes moved on, and so on and so on. So realistically, you look at it from that point of view. I'm not making excuses because then we've also got the injuries at the same time. We're a little threadbare for first team quality players. Which sums up the the centre back, you know, with Scales having to come in and play, and Welsh was going to be the guy, but then he got hurt. So, as Mickey says here, Scales got turned inside out big time, hundred percent. Yep. But the thing that I was going to, where you got me thinking, and there's a couple of comments here that, that tie into that, is has Rogers with him coming in. You touched on John that all oh, this passing and blah 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 and everything and just the Simpsons memes and stuff like that. 
I look at it and go, and Andrew's got the exact thing I was thinking in my head is, has Rogers progressed as a manager? Now, for me, back when he was with us the first time, you look at that Ibrox game where I think it was Jozo got sent off and he brings on Edward and where he just he could make a tactical change and just change the game. Now, we don't have that level of depth in the squad at the moment because of, as I just said, the injuries, the departures, new guys trying to bet in and so on. But did his stint at Leicester coach the, the risk out of him, if that makes sense? Because Leicester are trying to not get relegated most years. So does, did he become like super cautious and not want to, you know, take a risk and throw people, you know, throw people on and have a crack and try and win? Like last year, Andrew would make a sub and what would happen? We'd, um, you know, the, the tempo would go up. So for me, I'll look at it in that regard. Has he progressed? Because the other thing as well is 2018 style of play. That's the way I look at it. Passable, mm. passable, passable, passable around like that. Teams would play us then, back in that sort of time, and they'd know, sit deep, two rows of five, and try to hit us on the counter. And we just pass the ball around the back, side to side, side to side, reversal, recycle, recycle, move the ball, move the ball. And what had happened? We'd get nowhere, and then they'd hit us on the counter. Teams knew how to do that. Teams have progressed in the five years since then. Celtic progressed for the last two under Ange to be able to counter and be aggressive. And then what happens? Now we're going back playing that with more modern teams that know how to handle that in their sleep. To me, I'm looking at it. I'm not pointing the finger at Rogers, but at the same time, he is the manager. Has he progressed enough to take us forward? I, I, I don't think we've had enough games to be able to tell. Personally, I think there's is he's he's you've you mentioned it, Jared. We just don't have we just don't have the squad depth for him to make big changes and and change things up dramatically. So, um, I think maybe he is slightly risk adverse. I think that's naturally part of his tactics, right? With possession football, is it's risk adverse. Um, it brings a lot of success, right? So, uh, I think maybe we have to sort of judge that as we would judge Ange in maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a quarter to a half of a season and then we go all right now how is it it's so early do you know what I mean it's so early and and you make a very good point about us losing as many players as we did um and when you look at the squad and you think you look at the bench and you're like god we like we, we used to be dangerous even our subs used to come on you like that's that's like for like if not stronger and we just don't have that now we have nothing really we have out of all of them that I know is proven it's a badder really I don't like, who else off the bench is going to be like, yeah, wow, that's a proven success that I know is going to change a game. So I think it's, I think it's just a bit of a storm, isn't it? It's just everything's coming together and it's perfect elements. And so we get draws. At least it's not losses, right? We're not losing yet, like consistently, I mean. So it's just we're in this sort of weird grey transition area, I think. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yep, and Shane, what's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I pretty much agree with Johnny. I think it's too early to say and to answer that question about whether he has progressed or, or or stagnated or even regressed if you want to be really, really harsh. I, I think in one way you can give him an out and say that the players, there was enough quality on that pitch uh, on the weekend to get the job done, um, which I genuinely think there was. Um, but at the same time, if they don't get it done, you know, who who ultimately carries the can for that? Is it the players? Is it the manager in terms of the way they set up? Look, there's a lot of unanswered questions. I think it's too early. I, I agree with Johnny. I think we need to go another couple of weeks. I think we need to sort of see how things go from here. As you mentioned at the start of the, the point before, took Ange roughly six games. We were three and three. Um, and so, you know, we might be looking at something similar here before it kind of all clicks. Um I guess with Ange, the difference was we were able to kind of get sit within those six weeks. We were able to see what was possible, what could be on the horizon. You know, we saw that that six nil against Dundee, right? We could see what happened when things did click, and it was about just making it more consistent. I don't really think we've seen that yet with Rogers. We've seen some fleeting moments, but nothing there. You'd go right, that's it. We're going to bottle that. Um, so I think we're probably still searching for that rhythm that we're going to have under him, and hopefully put out on a more consistent basis. So, look, let's see where we are in uh, a couple of weeks' time. But um, I think it's quite clear we're going to have to step it up, though, as much mm-hmm. as we're giving him a little bit of an out and saying, right, not enough time. We'll, we'll judge you in a few weeks. But right now, where we're at is not where we want to be and we need to step it up. And just I'd also like to mention, right, it's it's not as if we didn't, he didn't, his tactics didn't make chances. It's not mm. as if we were playing possession football for 90 minutes and we had no shots on target and we had like 27 shots off target. Do you know what I mean? Like we we had chances that should have been buried. Like their their keeper very much kept that kept them in the game. Like yep. the 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 big big saves and and it it is a case of any other day slight variation we win the game. And so he probably thinks to himself, well if I changed it too much, we might have we might have fizzled out all chances. So you know what you mean? So that we have to give him some benefit of the doubt, I think, and not just say, well, you know, it's all his fault or it's all the players' fault as well. Or it's, I think it's just a perfect storm, like we're saying. You know, I was just going to say, on any other day, uh, O'Reilly, you know, ends up with a hat-trick and we're talking, it, we've got a whole different conversation leading into Ibrox, right? So yep. I think that's really your point. But that's Celtic. <laughs> that's Celtic. <laughs> Sorry. So Jim. my missus asked a question, asked me this. She goes, you could bring this up on the pod. And I was like, how am I going to tie this in? And then Johnny got me on this tangent and actually does tie in now. So she said to me, if we lose the do- the derby, is Brendan Rogers, are the pitchforks going to come out for him? Is he a dead man walking? Now we've just said it's early days for him, but with what's going on in the locker room, a lot of discontent that we're hearing about online and stuff like that, plus the performances and his body language, he looks really frustrated and everything. The old body language experts come out again, like when the old Neil Lennon last season, he was there. 
but there's a whole bunch of things that just doesn't look good on paper and what we're seeing. So I'm not saying sack him right now, but you know, he's um it's too soon every, to do that. But yeah, it's just um it's every just, loss if we, if we lose the derby, loss. it's gonna be nasty, real it's nasty it. on this pod next week, I'm telling you. Draw draws and losses, they're all the same. So it's it's that's the nature of Soic, right? Is only a win is acceptable. But not just even a win, it's the way we win as well. So mm. um, yeah, it's always it's I, I really don't know of another team or another league where it's that high pressured. I really don't. I don't think I don't think there is an equivalent. So it's off the back I'm of sure that, I'm sure he knows. Back, yeah, off the back of that, John though, what's happening is what's making sense as well is it's the same pressure for us where you say draws aren't good enough aren't enough at Celtic. Any other club, you if you draw your away games and win your home games, you're a chance. You're good. Yep. At Celtic, it's those draws that we can't have on away games that cause an issue because we've got to win the league. So if you get that that situation, that pressure, that's what's a factor here. But then it's the same pressure on why we constantly use and lose our, our youth players and don't blood them and give them games at 16, 17 years old. When Tini broke through, the only reason he did was because we had no one else at left back. So he got a run of games and look what happened. So it's the same the same pressure there. But yep. what I'll do is I'll bring up some comments, then we'll just jump into um a couple of the couple of little other talking points from the game, a couple of little quick things, and then we'll crack on. Okay. So Stephen Ray, the only positive is that underwhelming Celtic side going to the derby, top of league one. Top of the league, one point ahead of the Orcs. Good call. Yep. Michael Ross has got a question for you, Shane. Shane, did you burst the blow up kangaroo? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's sitting in the other room. It's joining me for the basketball when the Boomers play. It is it is healthy. I can assure you. <laughs> That's what you coached it to say. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about Rogers before. It was saying about the subs and the lack of. Interchange options and then RL77 is exactly doesn't have an Edward to bring off the bench. Al Chemist is saying BR looks like he really CBF. Yeah. And strangely, he looks like he's out of his depth. Stephen Ray is also no amount of managerial possession progression can turn scales into a center pack. <laughs> Mahesh's comment was depends which Rogers you get. Based on last season's data at Leicester, Celtic will lose the league if it's repeated at Celtic. That's the pressure we're just talking about there. Andrew Galea. I thought just was, to comment on that, to be fair, that Leicester League was, you know, an uh, an anomalous. That was a bit of an outlier. I don't think it's fair to judge last season's Leicester's last season against Rogers, to be honest. Other external factors. It's brought the injury curse up with him. Well, yeah. <laughs> so then Andrew Galea was saying he obviously hasn't progressed. He's managing in Scotland. That's um, harsh. Dis- disagree. Disagree. Yeah, massively disagree. Top 10 league in the world. Go on. on Europe. <laughs> One of the biggest clubs in the world. Champions League yeah. football. No. Yep. Yeah. Mahesh is not the sample size isn't large enough, but the trend line isn't good based on the data. We all know hey. Mahesh loves his data, so got to bring it up. But Johnny is right. There you go, mate. Yeah. So Great obviously point. nobody can nobody can take Mahesh's word seriously because it started with Johnny is right, and that just doesn't seem... <laughs> Doesn't seem like his sound mind of sound mind. <laughs> oh, 
Al said, logically with BR, it's early days, but with Ange, we could see things were moving almost immediately. How can you regress with the gift Ange left? And then he goes, it does my head in quietly. And then a couple from Andrew Galea, we're in a shit fight this season. And is Roger's heart really in it? Uh, that's a bit of a, uh, a harsh well, one there. Just a bit of, bit of perspective. The uh, One of my colleagues is a Rangers fan. I know. I can smell him. And then he, when I, when I walked in this morning, um, the first thing he said was, use a still a point ahead. So mm. he was still gutted that we were a point ahead. So if we think it's all doom and gloom here, they're still absolutely frothing out of anger, not out of the fact that they're second. Mm. So perspective. We're still we're still top. Can his ego take being compared to Ange? <laughs> Probably not. And then we've got JJ's. We've had an unusually high level of disruption this season with the crowded treatment room and new system. We're just glad it's at the start of the season when we have time. Spot on there. And then John is saying we the way he's using Kyogo means you're looking for midfielders getting in the box and scoring. They'll work to a point as O'Reilly had several chances. Leave Kiego up front on the up front on the end of crosses. I think pretty much every Celtic fan is saying that. That's that's a really good point. And and it became really apparent on the weekend. There were times where I was just like, I wanted him playing off the shoulder. I didn't want him dropping deep. He needed to be uh, you know, heading towards goal literally to get the and it was just really, really noticeable um against St Johnston. And then Michael with the comedy. If we lose the derby, I could see Shane rip the head off the inflatable kangaroo with his bad teeth. I'm not making any promises. And if he wins, will he be ripping off a, off a different head? Is that what we're saying? Hey, oh, as long as he's got a pot noodle in hand, in the other hand, he's good. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. thanks, so, thanks Liam <laughs> so, I've been away for too long I need to get the jokes out <laughs> individual players Shane you touched on a couple that were played well on the weekend and stuff like that so we're going to swing it the other way who's out of form and needs a rest like for me there's probably three or four that jump off the page straight away so um, go to you Shane what do you, who do you reckon well, look, I, before I get into who, I just want to make a general comment before I get into who's out of form. And that was, we've got some players playing really well, but what's noticeable is the difference between our players who have played well and even on the weekend played well compared to those who weren't is really, the gap is quite sizable. So you had your likes of Yang, O'Reilly and Johnston, but conversely, Turnbull looked completely um, anonymous. And, you know, we were crying out for somebody else in midfield to step up and be involved and help Matt and be a bit more industrious. And we didn't get that from Turnbull. Cal Mack, again, um, he's, again, very similar. He he just um, is on the periphery. You know, he's gone from being that fulcrum of getting the ball played out to him and kind of getting on the ball and sort of starting our forays forward into kind of just being on the outside a little bit, trying to involve himself. And he's getting frustrated. I, there was one point... Um, in the second half where he sort of made a run to the box. I'm pretty sure it was Bernabe. He was expecting Bernabe to pass it back to him, crossed it over everyone's head. And Kalmak was visibly upset with him and basically really gesticulated with him. So again, Kalmak looks, looks out of form. 
Um, and Taylor, for me, I don't think he was as bad as he's been, but and he seemed to be sort of more inverting against Kiwi, uh, sorry, against St. Johnston than I had seen previously in the past couple of weeks. But he still didn't have what I call a good game. And at times, particularly in the first half, he seemed to almost be kind of colliding with Yang. Like Yang would get on the ball, look to cut inside. John, uh, Taylor was trying to make that run to take the St. Johnston defender away, but he almost gets in his way. That's what he's trying to do. And I just think his timing's a little bit off at the moment. Um, so they're that probably the three I'd pick on. Can I just quickly jump in there on the yeah, Taylor? Yeah, no, no, I'd finished, mate. That's all good. <laughs> Taylor loves to invert. So when he's inverting, he want, if he's going to run forward, he wants to run into the top of the box. Mm. But Yang's trying to cut back inside because Brendan likes his wingers to invert and come back in, which means Taylor should be going outside of him on the overlap. That's not a strength in his game. So that's probably where they're getting in the way of each other. Yep. But then at the same time, when he was inverting and then a the ball went over the top the other way, he was too slow to turn around and get back to his position. I thought he was mm. getting caught flat-footed. So I think the biggest issue with, with Taylor in general isn't the player. We know his limitations. The The biggest issue is he's got no one nipping at his heels, pushing him on to keep him up at, at a level. I think that's his biggest issue. Where On the other side, you've got Johnson there, but you've got Ralston behind him. Even though Ralston had a bit of a shocker when, when he's played recently, the thing is, at least he's got Ralston, who is a capable player behind him. So, yeah, it's a bit mm. of a doozy like that. You you make a really good point about that because Bernabe got his chance. So Taylor came off, Bernabe came on, and honestly, he didn't do anything to stake a claim. I know yourself and a few others have been keen to have him start, but based off of that performance uh, as a sub, like I'd still be picking Taylor going to Ibrox. I don't think Bernabe's a left is a um is a left back. As I've said, I think he's a left winger. Especially in this system with Brendan, I think he's a left winger in this system. I don't think he's a left back. Hmm. No, Johnny, no, anything to Well, I mean, look, I, the the only thing on Barn- Barnabé is that he he could play like a sub- substitute, like a, you know, a substitute left winger anyway in a, in a Rogers system. By I mean, that's who he wants to get the the um, width from, right? Is his is his fullback. So, yeah, I, I still think Barnaby could play well in Rogers' system. I can still see that, and I absolutely agree with what you're saying with Taylor. And I agree he's underperforming, uh, and I think it's exactly what we're saying. I think it's because the system's changed and it doesn't suit him. Um, but unfortunately, when you're a professional like that, you you have to be able to adapt to. The regime change should be the same in any other business where the director comes in and changes stuff. Um, you you would you have to adapt to to the new leadership and he's not doing it in a way that others do. Um totally agree with Cal Mac. I would say that he's quieter partly because he's probably buggered, but also probably because he's he's um making up for a lot of Turnbull's lack of movement and mistakes. But Turnbull really does not move about like that the sort of side to side and collect the ball and and, and Recycle it and rotate and all that. He, he's not that type of player. He's he's like Rogic, but a bit worse. If you know what I mean. Like it, it, the, he he tries to emulate that style of That's dominating. A, yeah, really, really little movement dominates a, a, a an area of the pitch. And that's his area, and 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 that's where he creates chances and, and scores goals. And actually, that's not that's just not working for for Roger's system. Or I I can totally understand if we, if we just speculate heavily here and Hatate's not really injured and he's actually or he's not that injured and he's 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. He's trying to push a move and all that stuff. I can get that because if you're putting Turnbull in front of you, of you and you're like, well, I play better than that. And why is that getting chosen over me? It's like, it just seems really bizarre that Turnbull's getting a, opportunity when since he has he's been really underperforming in, in my opinion um uh, look, and i mean ralston wasn't great when he came on but who else have we got at the moment because aj's literally just coming back from surgery so um great to see him back and a bit of energy but there's there's just too many at the moment that are underperforming to be honest can i can i jump in on the the turnbull o'reilly thing for just a sec what the one thing that's become apparent is you can't play both of them together in a midfield three it's totally simply agree. we are two one paced. Um, and it was if you think back to when we first signed O'Reilly uh, in Andrew's first season, you didn't really see O'Reilly and Rogic together. And it was yeah. because of that reason they were far too one paced. If you're going to have that more creative midfielder, the one that's sort of looking to link up those reverse passes, you're going to need someone else who's more industrious, who's going to work hard, who's going to try and win the ball back. And that's where Hatate fits that so well. So you have. You know, what we previously have is O'Reilly, Hatate, McGregor. And Hatate is the one buzzing about. He's the one going side to side. He's working his socks off. O'Reilly is kind of the one that's kind of being the creative outlet. And we're really missing that. We looked way too one-paced with Turnbull and O'Reilly together. And we really missed Hatate. I dare say we're talking about an entirely different result if we had uh, Hatate um, in at the weekend. Um, and so that's something uh, we're that's become clearly apparent. And so I can't see us going to Ibrox with both O'Reilly and um, and Turnbull together. That has to change. If we if we go there, it's not going to work. I'll go back even further than that, Shane. You're saying about O'Reilly with Rogic. Go back to when Ange first come in. Did you have Turnbull as the first midfielder picked and you wouldn't and Ange wasn't playing him and Rogic together? So it goes yeah. back even mm-hmm. before O'Reilly. Those yep. two couldn't play together because they're two one paced. O'Reilly and Rogic couldn't play together. Turnbull was injured that second half of the year, so it wasn't a factor. But it's the same It's the same setup. It's just too slow. So and slow. That gives me the fear, particularly for this weekend. But we'll talk about that a bit later. But, um, yeah, I just was going to say one other player I wanted to touch on was I thought Lagerbelke looked looked decent on the weekend. Second game at the club. Agreed. In the dominant yep. centre half. I think, we, I think we picked up another good one there. So I'm happy I agree. with that signing from what I've seen so far. Happy happy with that. I just wanted to give him a shout out there. Scales can, get as, far, can get as far to Fook as you know because he's, um, mm. yeah, just not, he's not left back isn't he's probably his best position, but he's not going to play at left back for us. Centre back doesn't work. He's only getting a game because we're you know desperate with injuries. So 
Well, yeah. When when you mentioned um, before about Taylor and sort of getting caught out of position, and we know Bernabe, you know, defensively his positioning is still questionable, and this really worries me because if you look at the weekend, two the two key chances that St Johnston really had came down. Um, our left, right? And so obviously we'd had Taylor and I think in the second, I think Bernabe was actually on for both and Bernabe had pushed up and so it left uh, scales cutting across to cover. And this is that that first chance that Costello had where scales is caught on his heels initially, but then he still gets there ahead of Costello and all he has to do is knock the ball out. We're not even asking, we're not asking him to do anything drastic here. He's just got to put the ball into Rosetta, as I'd say. And he, he sort of almost, it's almost as if he's trying to header it past him so he can nick it off him and win it back and start a counterattack. All he ends up doing is nicking it into his path. He gets the best of him. He then um, knocks it over his head. And to be honest, it forces Hart into a really decent save. And they could have gone 1-0 up at that stage and <laughs> doubt we would have pegged them back. So, And there was another moment later on where, again, he kind of, the ball was going to the byline. All he's got to do is just take care of it defensively, and he and he doesn't, and it, they had another chance. So, you know, when they didn't have the ball and their distro, okay, I guess. But Scales in those two moments really showed he was quite vulnerable. And if we have him at left centre-back and you've got Bernabe and Taylor getting caught out of position... Oh, it's it's cause for concern. Very All right. We'll leave the talk about the game there anyway, but I want to go to the next thing there. So in our fearless predictions at the start of every season, we always do a who will be the first team to sack their manager. That's one of the questions. So with Hibbs getting rid of Lee Johnson, I just have to give a shout-out to uh, Sean, Paul, Anthony and Stephen, who all got that one right. Well done, <laughs> fellas. Um, I think the the writing was on the wall for him for ages, and then you also see how you know they got absolutely smacked by Villa. So um, yeah, see you later. But off the back of that, this is some questions for you, John. Oh, is the right. return of Bruni going to happen at Hibs? Do you reckon he'll come up, come back up the road to his original club? Or oh. Do you reckon we might see with what's happening now with the turmoil and things happening behind the scenes, do we think we might see John Kennedy finally head there to start off his managerial career? Because they've offered him the job twice before, apparently. So what are your thoughts? Um, I think potentially Hibbs might be a big step for Bruni. Um, I think think Fleetwood are still mid-table in League 2, I think. And I think that's a big step up. Um, the expectation of Hibs isn't isn't small either, right? That you, the expectation of Hearts, Hibs, and Aberdeen is to come third and to get into Europe. So um, that's a that's a big step up. I don't know if Bruni's ready for that. Would it be good? Absolutely. He's a great personality, and it's um, if he can cut his teeth in Scottish football, then all the better. I mean, the writing's on the wall. He'll eventually be a certain manager, but we just need to get the experience and stuff. Um, it would be a big loss if we lost Kennedy now. Uh, I think they were, Rodgers and Kennedy in their first tenure were unstoppable. I think it was an absolute dominating force of Scottish football. I mean, our most successful season since 67 was under those two. Um, so that would be a monumental loss. Um, but But Kennedy's got to do it at some point. If he wants to be a perpetual assistant manager, then that's fine. 
but at some point he's going to have to try and risk, uh, you know, being a being a full full time manager himself. So, yeah, big loss, but I wouldn't blame at all if he chose to do it. I look at it and go for Kennedy. You don't want him to become a Ruby Faria. So, do you want to know who that is? <laughs> nope. Jose Mourinho's long-term assistant manager who stayed with him for years and then finally went on his own and got sacked after about two months and then was back with Mourinho like a couple of weeks later after that. You don't want to be that person. So eventually you've got to – look, I don't want him to leave. And I'm throwing to you now, Shane, because there was a thing you shared in our group chat and there was a a player – sorry, a manager who is of Scottish origin and he's over here and he's just won the comp over in Australia – that I think would do decent there. So what do you reckon, Shane? You tell everyone about that. Yeah, so we're talking uh, about Nick Montgomery, who's the uh, the manager of the Central Coast Mariners here, who um, who end up winning uh, essentially the grand final in the A-League, so basically the, the premier competition essentially um, just gone. Um, he's been – he'd previously played uh, in England for Sheffield United. And he was in the Premier League about a decade or so ago. Then he came to the Mariners – um, and he's come up the ranks at the Mariners. So the Mariners, when he came there, were a pretty pretty low club. Um, they were doing really poorly, um, and he got involved and, and helped start their youth academy, which has been a major driving force for their success that they're experiencing now, and they've seen the likes of of Quoll and, and so forth come through that youth academy, and we're talking Quoll, who's, who's now at Newcastle United, right? So um, he then moved into the head coaching role uh, or managerial role a few seasons ago, and he's made them into one of the most enjoyable teams to watch, but toughest teams to beat um, with a lot of youth element to it. And he has really good values in terms of the type of players that he wants. He, he really, he doesn't want just good players. He wants good people as well as good players. I think he's an excellent candidate. I think Hibbs would be crazy not to consider him. Um, and I could absolutely see him. And we're talking about a club that that really on occasion splatters to deceive. Um, I think he'd be a great fit for trying to get them into a more consistent mould and kind of uh, achieving what they should be. So, um, yeah, they need to look at Nick, Mon- Nick Montgomery. Any any club overseas, particularly in Scotland, if they're looking for a new manager, he should be seriously considered. He's, he's done a fantastic job at the Mariners. So I've got some comments here. So Andrew Galea. Surely Kennedy is loving working with Rogers again. Strange love of the doctor is look at what Hibbs done with a forward thinking young man, young coach in Maloney. Hibbs is a graveyard for modernity. And that's one that I look at and go, that's why I wouldn't want Bruni to go there because it's an absolute shambles of a club. And Peter is saying Kennedy hasn't the balls to take a manager's job. He's got a cushy at Celtic. So we've got a few. <sighs> Well, I might throw a question back to you, Jared and and Johnny. Like, if Kennedy was to leave now, do you think, considering the fact that he didn't go in the off-season with Ange to Spurs and he did stay around with Brendan, if he was to go now, do you think that would add fuel to the fire of uh, fuel to the fire of any kind of discontent rumours at the club? Hundred percent. Johnny, you're on mute, mate. <laughs> ah, that, that was a, a silly rookie bo- schoolboy era. Um, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, I mean, you can't have 
the power couple per se uh, in in the and you know the first tenure and then all of a sudden you know they get the divorce that would that screams there's problems behind the scenes isn't it so um and if you sort of add everything together you sort of add, add two and two together sort of thing yeah i'd i'd say it'd be a, a big negative that's why, yeah, that's why the blow up kangaroos in the other room by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah just doesn't make sense, but my thing is, if Kennedy left, he'd probably want to work, take someone with him to work with him. So he'd probably take Strachan. So would the laptop go too? <laughs> uh, that's that is Celtic Park property. I would say. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> you have to hand that back in when you leave. Yeah, he's gonna. Exactly. He's gonna. If you see uh, Gavin with a whole bunch of USBs, maybe a portable drive, I'd be a little <laughs> bit concerned. But... And stealing the scouting roster and <laughs> all the old reports. Yeah. So Andrew commented saying Lone Kobayashi to Hibbs. Stevens saying Hibbs need a manager like McKinnis, Malky McKay or Lenny. Uh not Lenny, but you know, it's been there, done that, burnt that bridge. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly has. Yeah. But yeah, I I then Andrew's like, will Harry Kuhl end up in charge at some stage when the others do a runner? No. No, and I can't see him being a realistic candidate for Hibs either at this point in time. He he's saying with us, Shane. If everyone else leaves, and then Rogers gets the boot, who's taken over them temporary? Oh, maybe temporary. But he's look. He's had a couple of managers' jobs they haven't worked out. He's cutting his teeth again in an assistant role. He's doing a good job, in my opinion. But he's still a few years away from taking on another senior role. Fair enough. All right. Well, we'll leave that topic there. But um. <laughs> Now we Sorry, crack on one of the comments. <laughs> now, now for the reason that the episode's called Social Media Stupidity. Any guesses, anyone? You know, three, two, one. Haxar, mm-hmm. dickhead. <laughs> this is this is the post. Bitch, I'm having a sook, you know. If they don't see your value, maybe you're not at the right place. Maybe if you provided value, buddy, you'd be getting the game. So I'll just say, but then, so we've got that. So we just want to discuss the way he's gone about it, having a strop on social media. But then also with the one that's on the screen at the moment, I want to bring up the um, the point of, you know, current and former players, you know, liking the post. Like, as you can see on the screen, liked by Rocco Varda. There's a whole bunch of others as well there. So, Shane, I'll throw to you for your take on it and rattle off more of the players who, you know, were liking it and everything. Well, actually, apart from Rocco, and I think there was a couple of others, I I can't remember the names of those who liked it. Um, I'm sure you've got them there or you'll find them, so feel free to to jump in. (laughs) You've got that look. You've got that look. Uh, Feel free to jump in. But um, in terms of the post itself, um, I, I didn't like it. Um, I think it's at it's at a time where we're trying to sort of put out a few fires, both on the pitch and off the pitch, a little bit, and we all want to be working and going together as a collective, and we want to be united essentially. And I felt that was a bit of a selfish thing to put. Um, so I didn't like it, and I think people and players need to be a bit more considerate when putting things on social media. Look, you know. 
was it completely over the top? No, but it showed what I'd consider a little bit of a, a selfish approach when we don't need that right now. In fact, it's the last thing we need right now. We need everybody pulling together saying, I want to be part of this club and I want to help um I want to help get our performances back on track. He's got nothing to really whinge about either, in my opinion. Um, he has undoubted quality. He really does. I'll back him on that. He's there is a player there. But every time he's been given an opportunity to show that and stake his claim for a more consistent role, he has failed to deliver. And if you look at Yang on the weekend, Yang came on um, first two weeks and we thought, you know what? He deserves a start. He gets given his opportunity and he puts in a great 60 minutes. And you're like, this kid should start next week. As nothing Hacks has done. And to be honest with you, on the weekend, I actually thought, well, this is a good game for him to come into. It's nil all. We're struggling for creativity. He's going to play in a more central role. This is a great opportunity for him to use a bit of that quality to help turn this in our favour. Save for one decent cross and a shot that was saved, um, I didn't see enough of him to push that. And so he didn't really push himself. And then to see that on social media, it was a real slap in the face. Now, in terms of those who liked it, I don't I'll, really care so much about that. Okay, I'll rattle off those ones. So former player Oliver Abelgard. Does anyone know what an Abelgard is? Because uh, you know, he was he's about Proved as, to be know, a defensive midfielder, but yet <laughs> he's, he's, he's about as rare as a Yeti, but he's not a Yeti. He's, you know, a bit out of it. <laughs> that was, that was bad, I know. That was, that was good. Sure. No, no, that was quality. Boson Lawwell <laughs> liked it. Alexandro Bernabe liked it. Rocco Varda liked it. Um, what else have we got here? Soro liked it. And O, o liked it as well. Oh, he's in the photo. I'd, I'd I'd like it if I was in the photo too, surely. That's probably the only reason he, I don't think he understood it. <laughs> exactly. But you then, know what? They're all liking it because they see O and they're like, hey, we like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sorry. So the for me, I look at it and go, when home put his post up a couple of weeks back, I loved it. Um I don't mind banter and stuff like that, but and you know, a bit of trash talk, but this, when you're having a sook, it's like where's your professionalism? Mm. So like we've got some comments here. So RL seventy seven, when Haxa said he'd be a rapper if he wasn't a footballer, the writing was on the wall. Okay, yeah. Love it says should instantly be put up for sale. JJ was if Haxel came on the park on Saturday, grabbed the game and won it. I may forgive his post. He's shown nothing yet for me. Mm. Pete's comment: Rocco Varda's dad must be happy about that like. So Johnny, I'll throw to you now. I think it screams of immaturity. To be honest, I think, um, and he's he's also not that intelligent. Um, because if you really, I mean, it's it's what I understand how uh, frustrating it must be to feel undervalued. I think we've all been there in our lives with when we're at work and we feel undervalued. He's clearly in that boat, um, and it's also very hard when you are um, not uh, the in the the main group, sort of quote unquote, uh, to get into that. It's even harder, but it's it to whinge about it publicly is just is really really immature and you said it it's unprofessional as well and he and he does represent a business and he does represent um uh, an identity and stuff and it doesn't look good for us when our players are um whinging like this and it's not very intelligent 
to, to, to whinge and then put it on a public forum. Like it's different if he was whinging anonymously and it's like, ah, oh, you know, so, so, so called Celtic players, very unhappy with his lack of game time, but he's advertising that, that, that you're at, we've, we've had it in the comments. He's just it put a target on his back. He's, he's <laughs> now, he's now just told the management staff, I want out, get me out. I don't care how much it's going to cost. Take anything. I don't want to be here. And that's who, what potential buyers can be like, yeah, that's who we want to buy. A guy that's really unproven at, uh, at Celtic and we're going to go, we're, he's a winger as well. So we're going to, and he, on social media, so we're going to spend lots of money and bringing him in where he can bring all that energy over to our, it's just stupid. It's really stupid. Like it's funny, John, guess why? This is why I was crack, having a cracking up laughing. He didn't just put it on a public platform. He put on a pl- public platform knowing that it was going to kick off. So he's turned off any comments on the post before, as soon as he posted it. So yeah. no one can come back and snap back at him. So for me, I look at it and go, if you're going to be like that and you're going to carry on, be willing to cop the backlash from the, the people who are paying your wages. But yeah. at the same time, what he didn't realize is how dumb this guy is. Because I'm just going to say, it, he's absolutely stupid doing this. He forgot to turn off the comments on his previous three or four posts before it. So his so people couldn't comment on that post. So the post he did like two days earlier, the comment section on that lit up with like a thousand comments or something like that. And it was just people bagging him out saying, you're shite. What's with the sooking? And just having a crack at him for that post and telling him that he was absolute rubbish. So he yeah. didn't even think that through either. I, I, uh, I it, it is, it's, it is, it's a, it's a deep level of immaturity. I look, if I'm, I'm really on the fence about all the, the likes, um, mm. and, and I'm on the fence very much because, um, I think like every big business, there's a social media policy. And I think, you know, certain policies w- will say that this type of thing is, is inappropriate or not wanted. Um, I think with, but I also think because it's a team, they support each other. I think they're, you know, these are a group of lads that spend 90% of their time in each other's company. So when one is, isn't feeling particularly happy in his, in his job, they probably feel like they have to come around him and sort of give him support. And, and it could very much easily be interpreted like that. I don't necessarily think we go down the list and we say, well, this person therefore wants out and this person therefore wants out. And it, it, it is interesting that it's all the players that haven't been in the first team they're in and around the edges. That's a bit interesting. And that's that's kind of why I'm on the fence because these are, it could also be interpreted. These are all the players that also feel undervalued and they're also a little like a so-called mutiny. And as we've discussed before, we are very bloated as a squad. We very much need to get rid of a lot of players off the wage bill. And these lads, if we're going to interpret it this way, have all just indicated that they are happy to leave. They're happy to be, to get to take a, a wage cut, go to a smaller smaller team if they need to. So I'm, I'm on the fence with that part. You Funny you want us to have a bench at I uh, at Ibrox, Johnny, or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I'm, I'm not being funny, but like if you go through, we did this. We went through Celtic's like first team. Did we not work out there was a whole other like 13 players that we needed to get rid of? Yeah, we worked it out. There was about I think. If you were going to get a few of the youth guys, and we're talking about them out on loan, guys like Oluwayemi and that who went out officially on loan to our feeder team in Austria today, but including those guys and like Lawwell on loan and stuff like that, you're looking at about 15, 17 players. So it's crazy. It's mental. So, you know, we 
I don't, I don't think we'll be. I mean, look, I accept Barnabé, but you know, I don't think we'll be. Well, Ablogard's not a certain player anyway, but yeah, um, yeah. But I think these guys, have, if it, there'll be internal conversations about social media policy, I guarantee it. Yeah. Well, the the best summary of the whole thing was this tweet by Drake that was shared in the Axon chat when they were talking about it that I got yesterday as well, which sums it up perfect. Bench players talking like starters. I hate it. I really thought you meant the, the actual artist. <laughs> Surely that's not the real Drake. This is a proper Drake tweet talking about NBA team. When did Drake become a Celtic fan? <laughs> no, no, no. This is like 2013, mate. There you go. But this is actually is the perfect me, summary. He had me all turned around there. I was like, what the hell? Come on, Johnny. This is a Coolio situation all over again. Like, and Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah. Snoop Dogg. Is Drake a team while he's pretty much a, on everyone else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that tweet is not Celtic related. It's from 2013. Uh, no, yeah. But it makes sense for this situation. That's why I shared it. Okay. Yeah. Well, he is now. Just, that's just fact. Yep. yep. He's now a team, even though he's a bit of a flog. But anyway, we'll uh, get on with it. So transfer deadline coming up on, later in the week. So before we talk about anything here, I want to answer Alan's question. Guys, does your Tilio dude actually exist? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't he's, know, to be honest with you. He's real. He's real. He's shorter than Shane. So he is. Like, he he is. This is why he's real. And now, 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 saying that now, people think it's he's not real. So don't do that, Jared. Um, <laughs> no, he's genuinely real. He's. I thought he was back in training, um, but I may have got that wrong. He's a couple of weeks away. Yeah, he's due uh, back mid September. So after yeah. the national break, I thought it was. Yeah, I, I'm sure he's doing light duties. No, he is 100% real. He's from our part of the world. Um, Bloody good player. God, I hope he gets on the pitch to prove me right. Yeah, yeah bloody yeah. good player. Get him on one wing, Yang on the other, Kyogre in the middle. Oh, happy days. There you go. I've got thanks to the Drake thing. Now I've got Hotline Tim in my stuck in my head now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a podcast <laughs> name. Oh God. So somebody do a parody. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's the that's the the pot noodle Christmas song. That's what we need. Hotline Tim. There you Hotline go. <laughs> Could actually do something that'll be. Absolutely hilarious. But anyway, um, with the transfer deadline, so the talk is who needs to go. We've just been discussing that, right? But how many need to come in? The talk are from some sources, three people are coming in. Other sources, five are coming in. Um, Vinny's commented early on in the pod, how many more games do we give Rogers? But the second part, any transfers happening before the deadline? I bloody well hope so, Vinny, because if we don't, it's gonna be a bit of a uh, dog's breakfast. Yep, I agree. And yep. we need it, it's it's. I don't think it's about. It's not really about quantity anymore because we've got too many players, too many wingers, um, in my opinion. Um, but we we need, I reckon, two, three, maybe four, quality quality players, like experienced heads, ones that have been in around. Champions yep. League sort of stuff. Whereas just to come in type signings. Uh younger, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I want yeah, I want I want to go and find 
Copenhagen players that aren't really cutting it in the first team. I want Slava Prague players. I want, do you know what I mean? Like I want actual experienced Champions League players that can maybe just elevate us again. And that's what yeah. we want. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah, for me, it's centre-back, left-back. Must, must. Left wing, which looks like it's going to be Palmer. So that's sorted. And another striker is pretty much what everyone's talking about. For me, if I'm going to be oh. picky... Goalkeeper is one, yeah. But then, okay, if left wing is already sorted, then there we go. Strange Love has got it absolutely sorted here. Jotter in on loan, Sergio Ramos for a year, sorted. Mm. <laughs> but for me, like I think we need a, I think we need another midfielder, a bigger, yep, midfielder with a bit of um. It's the easiest way to sum it up: someone a bit an athletic midfielder, like. If you get Ryan Christie, but taller, and you know, can and shoot. A, a bit better to play as an eight for your box to box, or a Stuart Armstrong type, but a little bit bigger. That's what we need. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Definitely. So Green Brigade had a uh, banner up on the weekend about the Glasgow Derby ticket allocation. Well said. I'll bring it up. They killed their club. They're killing the Derby. Bring back the old allocations. I think they've nailed that. So that's why I'll give them credit by showing that. What are your thoughts, Johnny? I can't disagree. Every, uh, the whole sentiment of it. Um, and that's exactly what's happening. And and it's it's, it's a really hard situation from my understanding because um, the SFA can't just step in and demand because it's, it's, it's a, it's a membership thing, isn't it? Everyone has to come together and agree on the, on the rules of the association. So you can't, they can't just say, well, n- now we're the authoritarian um, dictators. We're demanding you do X, Y, Z. They can't do that. They ha- they, there's already pre-arranged rules of, um, it can only be through um, social, social pressure, uh, public pressure and stuff like from the fans. It It is killing the most entertaining and, um, exportable part of our game they having having the what was that coming was three thousand something like that four thousand in when we were having the aways that that brought so much energy to it and they just couldn't handle us having fun and i think that's they're only they're only hurting themselves they're cutting their nose off to spite their face and i think and i and i understand that i i feel like some circa being not maybe not comparably petty but partially petty with the thing i understand there's more technicalities to it than that but there's a part of me that still thinks celtic need to grow up a little bit as well um but it just needs to go back to the way it was just put it back to the way it was so we can all enjoy the games and yeah that's how i feel so on that john willie and Stephen on last week's pod were talking about um the allocation stuff as well and what we were saying is that there's actually no certain percentage of the stadium allocation like for european games you've got to have a certain percentage but for I the scottish it... league there isn't as long as you give them a certain you give them tickets and make an allocate a fair a fair and reasonable allocation available then it's up to the club so as willie said if we give them four rows of 20 seats behind the poles in the main stand so they can't see anything that's 80 seats that's technically a fair allocation because it doesn't mean we have to move any any season ticket holders right yeah, so, it wouldn't, wouldn't be reasonable, would it, <laughs> by that definition? Yeah. But, you know, that's that's the, the gist of it at the end of the day. 
But I'm going to bring up this comment here from Stephen Ray because it gives us another point, which I hadn't thought of. Are the Green Brigade willing to give up their seats to allow the Huns in? They seem happy for 7,000 other season ticket holders to give up theirs. What's your thoughts, Shane? Yeah, it's hard now, isn't it? And it goes for both clubs because they've obviously sold off the season tickets uh, that initially would be, you know, reserved for for the away games uh, for those two teams, for when they came to Celtic Park and vice versa when we went to Ibrox. So, look, it's a tough situation now to navigate around that. You know, what do you do? What do you do in that situation? Do you have to do something where for that particular game you have to go into like a bout with other season ticket holders or something like that. I, I don't know. I don't envy that situation. And it's a pity that we're actually going to get into that to, or we're going to have to get into that discussion to try and rectify it. Um, I, I There's no easy answer to that. There really is no easy answer to that. You, someone is going to have to miss out, unfortunately, if you, if you look at it like that. Um, uh, in terms of the overall issue, I agree with what the Green Brigade and, you know, to Johnny's point, it has, it, it, it has to go back to the way it was. Um, we've all spoken on this podcast and we've spoken, you know, across both sides. It it adds such an atmosphere to both games, whether it's at Ibrox or at Celtic Park, having the away fans into such a great number. So it is something that should go back to um, the way it was. What I would disagree with Johnny, though, a little bit is <clears throat> maybe maybe petty, but I don't think we should be the ones to necessarily offer the olive branch though because like, i could see us potentially saying okay we will give you a, a better allocation and then not having that returned so i'd be reluctant to be the one to make the first step here um I, maybe that's petty so be it uh, we didn't we didn't implement this we simply followed what was put forward um and i wouldn't be like i wouldn't like us to be the ones to offer the olive branch just to see it not returned we should do what the nrl does We'll just why don't we just mix all the fans together and fill up all the seats? That there's no that that won't be any problem. With that. Everyone will be fine with that. <laughs> Michael Ross has got the best solution of the lot. Could we hang them in a steel cage from the roof? <laughs> <laughs> and then put the, the disco lights on. Is that what yeah. we're saying? <laughs> yeah, <pretty much. laughs> Nothing like go go girls, whatever there is. So basically <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, so at the end of the day, like I was reading during the week an article, 442 Magazine online, and the 50 greatest derbies in world football and what it said, and that's what, that's what made me put this when I saw that banner and made me want to discuss it here. It has the Glasgow derby and actually listed as a Glasgow derby, which was good to see. Celtic and Rangers, Glasgow derby, Scotland. And it goes number three on the list. And it goes, and actually said it was as part of it, it said something like a um a shadow of its former self when it was ranked number one as an old firm. That's what they actually listed and said that it gone the lack of away fans is what's made this drop. That's it. So mm-hmm. it's not it's being noticed outside of our supporter area, and magazines like that are picking it up. So yeah, anyway, it's not gonna come back. Too much ego involved. It's a dick swinging contest at the end of the day. And um yep. We'll see how this ends up. But yeah, it is what it is, I suppose. But just with the Glasgow Derby on on Sunday, we're gonna do a proper review of the game leading up to it on Thursday's the Thursday Sesh podcast. So we'll chat about it then. I just want to get the feel from you, Johnny, and you, Shane, 
on what's your feel going into the game based on the, the way we've been playing. And if you want to give a starting lineup and a score prediction pending any arrivals and whatever, feel free. But if you want to say it's early in the week to do that, then I'm not going to demand a score from you either or a starting lineup. So how are you feeling going into the game, Johnny? Uh, not not confident, um, but I do think these types of games tend to wake Celtic up a bit. Um, I, I unfortunately have noticed in the past probably 10 years um, that these games are lost and won in the midfield. Um, it tends to be a case of whoever the whoever's either tactically got the midfield right or who whichever midfield is playing better um, seems to be the uh, team that sort of is victorious. Uh, and at the moment, our midfield are not doing that great. Well, two thirds of it is playing a bit average at the moment. Um, so I'm I'm a bit uh, like a butterfly in the stomach sort of thing. Um, but I do expect um, some of our uh, bigger players to sort of wake up in that sort of a game that they'll probably turn up for. Uh, thankfully, I also think that they're not doing that great either. I think they're also kind of a bit cold at the moment. So it could be a, a bit of a slog of a game to watch, to be honest. It could, it could be not very entertaining at all. It could be a, you know, a uh, very late winner sort of game and just kicking the ball up the pitch type of thing and just my big bookings, big tackles sort of game. So yeah, look, I, I won't give a, I won't give a score prediction. Um, and I think the only lineup I would think uh, will change is probably AJ will start for 490. We've got Alan has commented saying, dreading it, I won't lie. Um, and then Andrews, I think, will be up against it unless Awada replaces Turnbull or O'Reilly. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm thinking too. Tony Cassidy saying, 11 men behind the ball, nil all. <laughs> Michael saying, if Scales plays, forget it. Well, we don't have anyone else for that position. Yeah. Unless, yeah. unless we bring someone in in the next couple of days. So, yeah, throwing straight into that. Shane, what, how are you feeling leading into it? Oh, I look not as confident as, as I'd normally be. Um, but that being said, Johnny made a really good point. Um, you know, we're, we're looking inward a lot and critiquing our own form and performance. And, and for the most part, it hasn't been where we want it to be. They haven't exactly uh, set the world on fire. Um, so they're not exactly coming in to this game in raging hot form. So, you know, um, and it, further to Johnny's point, I think if we can actually correct the balance in midfield, there's no reason why we can't walk away with three points. And that's being ultra positive, I know. And and it's easy to be negative and, and there's a lot of things around who we potentially have available and if the midfield gets overrun, sure, it'll be tough. But if we can get those things right, um, I think we can definitely go there and win. Um, but I think the key thing is what um, Andrew touched on. We can't have a midfield with O'Reilly and Turnbull. I would bring a Wada in and I'd push Calmac further forward. And, and I think that at least takes care of that problem. If we can somehow sort that out, I think we've got enough quality to get three points. So not overly confident, but at the same time, I'm definitely not dismissing it either. Let's bring up some comments here. So Strange Love is saying, haven't watched the Zombies game. I'm assuming they're overhyped, hoofball, dive shit as usual. Yep, pretty much. Mr. Freeland can't handle the derby at the best of times, let alone this weekend. Ian saying, if they score in the first 10 minutes, I fear the worst. Michael Ross, none of us want a date. Want this date with Lady Cantwell? <laughs> you know, TikTok Todd and he's diving. 
Hope Kyogo's allowed to play his normal position. I'm just going to say something absolutely stupid here just for fun. Because I don't think this is going to happen. So I'm just doing the old throw it out there and hope it sticks. It's going to be a return of the 6-2 game. O'Reilly kept his shooting boots for this weekend. Hat trick from the midfield. Kyogo's going to get a double. Maeda with one. Boom, done. Either Maeda or Abada, depending on if Barisic is playing or not. There you go. Done deal. 6-2. It's happening. <laughs> I'm trying to talk myself into it. Bit of positivity. I like it. I like it. I like it, too. All right. We'll, um, we'll wrap up the pod there. Uh, thanks, Johnny and Shane, for jumping on for a chat again. If you haven't done so and you're free on the weekend, check out Singing I'm Not Billy Shizzer Tim, Pavilion Theatre in Glasgow. Uh, there's tickets available. Websites on there, paviliontheatre.co.uk. Uh, one of our friends, Jerry, over from Axom, he's involved in the show. So go check it out if you've got if you've got a free night on Friday or Saturday this week. And other than that, um, Shane, you got a final thought? Yeah, just um, uh, boomers. So Australia's men's national basketball team are competing in the FIBA World Cup at the moment. Unfortunately, dropped their second game to Germany last night by three points. So going to need to beat Japan tomorrow night um, to progress uh, into the next stage. So, um, look, I'm, I'm really getting back into my basketball big time at the moment. So um, all the best to the boomers. Paddy Mills, absolute star. And Johnny? Um, nothing really, uh, no m- new music this week. I've been sort of recycling old uh, albums and stuff, but slightly exciting. Bought my ticket for the Good Things Festival, which um, I don't know if many of you know about. Looks That's good, mate. Looks good. Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. I mean, I would, I would go along. Lineup is for the everyone who's um, 30 and above, Fallout Boy, Limp Biscuit, Devo, Bullet for My Valentine. I'm very excited. Oh, and Spider Bait. God, I haven't Spider Bait in years. It's going to yeah. be good, mate. It's going to be good. good. Yep. I'm excited. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, my final thought is uh, my godfather and his family thinking of you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. See you on Thursday for the Thursday sesh. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Hail, Podcast Network.